Ted Turner's mantra for success says early to bed, early to rise, work real hard and advertise. Now, it doesn't matter how smart you are if nobody else knows it. As a developer, one way you can advertise your expertise and grow your status in the ecosystem is through blogs, video, podcasts, or other content. Our guest today shares his insights on all aspects of creating community content in the ServiceNow space. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and of course, all the curious individuals that I always say with the utmost love and respect, welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. With me, as always, is the lovely, intelligent co-host, Lauren McManaman. How are you today, Lauren? You know, I'm doing fantastic. I just got back from a lovely trip to Paris, and I hear you also got back from some PTO as well, correct? We are recharged and ready to go for our summertime. And this time we've got the pleasure of talking to returning guest, Robert the Duke Fedoric. How are you today, Rob? Man, if I was any better, I'd ask for a refund on my health insurance. Well, sounds like you're doing really well. Now, you've been on the show before, but for those who may be joining us for the first time, can you give us a brief introduction? Yeah, I guess um, I'm kind of a normal dude. Um, I'm not the smartest dude in the world either, but in terms of service now, I've been doing it for about 15 years now. Um, so I've got to learn a lot, and I've had the, uh, the distinct privilege of being able to uh, learn a lot very slowly. And so here I am. All right. Some of us have to learn a lot very quickly. Sometimes, yeah. That wasn't me. I learned a lot very slowly. I had a long time to learn it. And, and that's my claim to fame is I just, I just got here early. But, uh, but I also do a little bit of content generation here. A little bit. That's why we brought you on. But before we get into that, what do you enjoy when you're not working? Um, I love hanging out with my kids. Uh, I got a 13-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy. And I love hanging out with them. And for just personal time, I like to make soap and I also like to leather work. I was going to ask you about those two if you didn't include them. So I'm glad you did. Still doing the soap and the leather work. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. use the soap to wash the leather? No, 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 no. That wouldn't be, that would, that would be good at all. <laughs> they do have saddle soap. Yeah. That's sacrilege. <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, probably this weekend I'll be making a new bar, a new batch of watermelon soap. Uh, not only Ooh. not only scented like watermelon, but it's also going to look like watermelon. It's going to have a pink core with black stripes running through it for the seeds, and uh, and a green topper. So it's going to look like a square slice of watermelon if all things go right. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the seeds. You're, you're soaping up in your arm, and seeds start falling off. <laughs> <laughs> no, not seeds like actual watermelon seeds, but you got to think of it as like vertical layers, right? So I'll lay down a few layers of pink, and then I'll draw like a black line across it in black soap batter and then more layers of pink. And then, and then when you cut it across the axis, they look like dots and not lines. Crafty. Well, I sure hope to see pictures of that on social media soon. It'll be coming. Yeah. And speaking of, so even if people might not have heard from you before, I am very, very suspicious if they've already seen your stuff posted online. So give the listeners a sample of the content that you typically put out. Sure. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it doesn't really have a name. Uh, <laughs> you'll just have to catch it on the on 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 LinkedIn uh, stream. Uh, I also do a podcast uh, with a gentleman by the name of Corey C.J. Wesley, 
and the podcast name is CJ and the Duke. And um, I do I do a lot of kind of LinkedIn documents. I've I've liked their little carousel posts, so I've been doing a lot of that. And I do like I, I would call it microblogging, but microblogging from the LinkedIn uh, uh, channel versus like the Twitter channel. Sure, I've recently discovered those too. They're actually you know, very effective way to do a longer format on LinkedIn. Yeah, the pagination really just adds something new to it that you can't get from Twitter. And and really, you can't even get from stuff like Medium and other blog posting where it's just like scroll, 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 and how long is it going? But with the documents on LinkedIn, there's kind of the pagination. You can say, okay, well, I got eight pages to go or 80 pages to go, whatever the case may be. Um and so it's it's kind of like the best of brochures and books and so you've got pretty much the whole gamut covered podcast video vlogs mm-hmm. where do you come up with these ideas uh several different ways i keep this thing called an idea vault so trello or onenote or a, a book you know like a notepad mm-hmm. um and like oftentimes uh, the muse will speak to me, right? Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? If, uh, what was the thing yesterday? I had to rediscover again how to make a dashboard breakdown, also break down reports, not PA, like PA and reports at the same time. So you had to like make the interactive filters obey the the dashboard breakdowns. Anyways, it's a process and I had yeah. to rediscover it. And I'm just like, I, I really got to make a video for this. But the problem is I'm in the middle of doing customer work and I don't have time to make a video. So I just throw it into an idea vault and you know, you get two or three of those in a day, that's 10 in a week and, you know, 40, 50 in a month. And all of a sudden you got this gigantic sprawling list of stuff that you could do. You periodically revisit that. You add little notes and flourishes and um, extra bits to it as you go. And then eventually it reaches critical mass and you decide, okay, I'll make content out of this. That um, is, that's kind of where I started too, is, Hey, I learned something. There's a lesson to be learned on every implementation, on yeah. every engagement there. And, and, and never think something is too basic because somebody is always just starting or somebody missed that while they were learning. You go, yeah. oh, how long has that been on the platform? Yep. 2008, I think, you know, it, yeah. there's so much to know that you just keep this idea and it doesn't matter if it represents itself as a video or as a blog or as a carousel it, there's there's always ways to present that and and the idea vault keeps you from forgetting or and regretting because if it's lost you'll never recall yeah. it when it's time when you finally get that break and go you know I, I i've got a few hours this saturday i should make a video what should i make a video on you just open up that idea vault and there's a hundred ideas because you just, you've been throwing them in there going, I just learned that. Or somebody needs to know this. Like you said, you rediscovered the interactive filters. I have to look that up every time too. Cause I only do it like once every two years. And also by storing so many things in a more freeform vault too, I bet that lends itself to maybe combining ideas. So seeing how one thing could contribute to another and create like an overall more niche content piece. Yep. Or a series. You could or have a series. series on your hands. Yep. Recombination. Now we're getting into my knowledge 15 Ooh. presentation on, <laughs> on innovation, um, which I should probably post up to the carousel and LinkedIn since it's in PowerPoint form. But yeah, the idea vault allows you to kind of see connections. Um, and one idea like enriches another. Um, you get all of that. And 
you know, I'm not too deep into the metaphysics of it, but I enjoy the metaphor of the muse, right? The muse comes Mm -hmm. upon you on her time, not your time. And it's up to you to kind of obey it in some fashion. So I try not to sit down and force myself through ideas. It's just as the ideas come, I take a second, I write it down somewhere, and then I take time to review that. Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And then trust my guts. And so sometimes it takes a long, long time for me to get one thing that I'm passionate about and I want to get it out. And sometimes it's just like the idea came this morning and it's the evening and no, it has to come out. This baby is coming right now. (laughs) I love those right now. I'm in a bit of a drought myself. (laughs) (laughs) I've got the backlog and I go to look at it. Not right now. None of these. I mean, they're all good ideas, but not right now. And I'm, I'm waiting for the muse to come bash me over the head again. Well, it's interesting. The concept of the the timeliness of the muse, as well as the ability to kind of have the courage to contribute to your art. Uh, it's, it's a concept that's really explored in the, the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of it, but that's a small recommendation. And another topic that he explores a lot is basically overcoming the obstacle of starting right? Is there any type of advice that you would give regarding the process of beginning to post on social media, on content type websites and what people could maybe do to get over the obstacle? Yeah, that's a great question because it's very difficult to force the muse. So if you don't have an inspiration to go on, it's, it's difficult, not, not impossible, just difficult to, to force something through. But assuming you did have something that you're like, gosh, I I really have this insight on this. I think doing is the obstacle. You know what I mean? So you you have to just do. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what you don't know. So you can't like maximize for an unknown. Um, And so the the, the key there is to just do. Um, And then, then you'll learn how to do better. Yeah. And then maybe you can listen to me. I had a great post. Well, great. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, Yeah. That I made on LinkedIn ages ago to kind of like to encourage people who wanted to make content, but they didn't quite know what would be valuable content. So they're basically like, oh, you know, I I just, you know, three paragraphs about the micro cert they just earned. And and nothing insightful about what did I learn about the micro cert. It's just kind of like, and so you know, you can learn from people like me who posted up like, here are the things that actually get traction so that you're not discouraged when the thing that you are trying gets zero traction, right? You get something that, that naturally attracts traction. Oh, it's always a learning process. I've been doing this a long time and there's still lessons to be learned. Right. I can break those down real quick here for your audience if you want. Sure. Go for it. Uh, okay. So the first thing is to provide something that somebody did not have before. So if I show you how to make an interactive filter on dashboards that will filter both performance analytics widgets and reporting widgets is something you might not have had before. You're happy with that kind of content because you you left with something. Another thing is to take something that somebody else has said that has that and add your own insight. So there's what is one of my most popular LinkedIn posts. I forwarded Chuck Tomasi's YouTube playlist on how to learn JavaScript on ServiceNow. And I threw one little extra insight in on that. And that was like one of my most one of my most engaged LinkedIn posts. The next thing is entertaining, but from an insider's only perspective, everybody loves being in on an inside joke. So you look at Snowballs, the uh, webcomic oh, yeah. uh, that Jeff Pierce puts out. Uh, 
it's great to be on the inside of an inside joke. And then uh, lastly is to, um, is to rage against a common foe. Um, it, it, it's highly emotionally triggering. Like everybody, like it, people are emotionally responsive to it. Therefore they will engage. Um, and you just make sure that you pick the right common foe. You know, it can be <laughs> typically, I mean, typically you want it to be conceptual. You don't want to start a war with somebody. Right. But, um, <laughs> but war against the concept and, uh, there's been several, several cases of that over the, but you just kind of like, and if, if all that fails, just scroll through your own LinkedIn for 15 minutes, but promise yourself that you're going to be mindful and stop and write it down for all the stuff that you actually did stop on. A, a quick note on the one about the common foe. You have to be careful not to come across as a toxic person, because if all you're doing is complain, complain, complain. Uh, rule number one in Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People is do not condemn, criticize, or complain. Hmm. Got to be careful on that one. I would say don't do it all the time. And I've, you know, if I, if I could go back and change anything on mine, I would, I would alter the frequency at which I did that. You have to use it very prescriptively after you've built up a reputation. Right. Or you could just consider the, the, uh, intent of that too, which is make people feel something, right? Where one thing is to make people learn something, make people interpret something. Maybe it's more mm-hmm. so help them feel something. And that could be positive or negative either way. Yeah, yeah. Your time, like mine, I'll bet, continues to get more and more precious as you go on. You've got more things to do, responsible for more. And what started out as, hey, this is a great idea and it's driven by your passion. Later, you got to call that into question, and and sometimes you got to drop it. What keeps you going now as a content creator? What's that driving force that keeps that original spark alive? Okay, so there are times and seasons where I, I I'm not going. So right. like I haven't posted my YouTube channel in a week or two, um, um, and it's just there's there's times and seasons. So. There was a time when I was doing a YouTube video a day or two. That's tough. Uh, yeah. And like people have no idea how, how much extra um, uh, production time is in a video, right? Yeah. For reference point, it's usually eight times the length of the recording time. At so that means least. at least. Yeah. So if you record a 10 minute video at a bare minimum, that's an additional like hour and a half of editing time at least. Those yeah. three minute did you know videos? Four hours. Yep. Sometimes. Yeah. That's after you get the production elements done, just that little four second intro, six hours. And so how was I doing it? I had like wicked bad insomnia, mm. uh, which has followed me around for my whole life. And so it's just like, oh, I'm not going to bed. So what am I going to do between like nine and nine and two a.m.? And I just like cobble together a video or something. And that's, that's what I did. But that was a time and a season for it. Now I'm getting all kinds of great sleep. And you know what I mean? I, so I was like, I'll hang out with my kids and that's what I want to do. Or, you know, um, and so I have stepped off the gas pedal a little bit, but I don't feel like I have um, left anything behind. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't, you don't have to feel bad if you're not super consistent. With, I, I'm going to put a caveat on that. Unless you make the commitment to be consistent. If you say, I'm going to release a podcast a week, you should try to stick to that schedule. Listeners will generally understand. And if you give them 
And FYI, you drop in a short episode says, look, I'm going on a three month sabbatical or hiatus. I'll be back to talk to you in March, whatever it is that then, then there's an expectation, just like anything else, communication and expectations go hand in hand. So I, I, cause if you just disappear, like, uh Oh, is he okay? Is everything all right? It, right. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Like I don't disappear entirely. Right. <laughs> like I, I still push out a CJ and the Duke every week, but I haven't done my YouTube in like a week or two. And, um, I guess having it's, it's, it's a much different question for somebody like me who's put out like hours and hours and hours and hours of content versus somebody who's just getting started. If you're just getting started and you want to be a brand name in the service now space, and that is a goal you're going to maximize for on top of other goals you have in your life. Yeah. You got to be super consistent. Um, But if you're asking Robert Fedora, what keeps you going now? I, I kind of, I don't want to sound like super haughty or anything, but like, I feel like I've transcended that question a little bit because I push out content when I want. And, and online success is recursive too. So once you have a backlog of content, people can always reference that moving forward. So the, the pressure to go at a million miles an hour, right. As far as production is not as necessary and is not needed to sustain that huge amount of precedent that has already been set. Yes. If there's one thing I've learned in the past uh, year of content creation, it's how good the long tail can be. Mm. Um, yes. CJ and the Duke, just uh, just a couple months ago, it was just all of a sudden, it, like the numbers just skyrocketed. Like, we were doing twice our, cur- our our last record as an average. You know what I mean? And just like, whoa, yeah. where do these numbers come from? And it wasn't like we got a whole bunch of new viewers. It was just like all the old content was getting consumed again and again and again and again. And uh, that was on the podcast. The long tail really kicked in. It took us like 80, 80 episodes to get there. So so it's a real long tail. Yeah, you have to be patient. There's there's also another factor. I forgot who said it, but they 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 won their first award in whatever it was, entertainment or sports or something. I said, that's great. I feel like I've achieved something. And when you win three or four or five of them, you've built that reputation. After about 27, he said, I don't need to compete anymore. I've established myself <laughs> as the authority there. The difference between yeah. 27 trophies and 28 trophies is not that significant. Yeah. So, you know, if you've been to the top of the mountain several times, is there a point in getting there again? I'm not saying that don't do it if you enjoy creating the content, if you enjoy learning and sharing, if you enjoy, you know, but your, your name is already established as an MVP or mm-hmm. whatever, however you want to define success, uh, you know, you may have a different viewpoint and move on to the next thing. You know, everything you said there, Chuck, kind of reminds me that like the goal, the goal has, has certainly changed for me. When I started making content, it was like, because... You know what I mean? I, I aspired to the people who were the big names in the conversation at the time. Yep. Right. And I wanted to be, I want to have a seat at that table and I worked really hard and I've, I've, I've definitely gotten a seat at the table. Uh, I do have the brand name in the service now space. And so for me, the next, like I got to the top of the mountain. Oh, surprise. It's a whole other mountain at the top of that. <laughs> and that mountain is is there any way I could spin this so that the content is my living? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I love doing the consulting or maybe I'd love, I'd love to always have a piece of my hour portfolio that is for consulting, but I would love to make the content 
creation monetized in such a way that it could like fill the rest of the blanks uh, compensation wise. And who knows, maybe, maybe not, but that's the mountain I'm on right now. Uh, what some content creators do is they use the, the podcast or the videos, whatever, as a lost leader. That's, that's their lead generation tool. They mm -hmm. grow their ecosystem. They go, hey, you know, I listen to this. It's got great information. And then they say, come to my workshop or I can do this implementation for you. So there is a way to monetize indirectly. Like I said, advertise, 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 and, and the success will follow. So they use the, the podcast or the videos as that advertise. Yeah. And that's kind of where it's been heading lately. I, I do now like private coaching mm -hmm. um, and service now education. Uh, in small, small, small cohorts. And I certainly, you know what I mean? That, that, that all the content I've ever done has become an invincible stack in terms of credibility. It's like, Absolutely. well, how do you know, how do you know I know my stuff? I mean, <laughs> look at, look it, at yeah. Chuck Tomasi forwarding my stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. So why you're on this podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> But one thing that you mentioned was that you saw you were seeking inspiration and a place at the table with a lot of other like large content creators and just people mm -hmm. in the ServiceNow space. Was there any specific people or sites or references that used to draw creative inspiration from? Creative inspiration from, gosh. Um, I would say, okay, so I'm going to split that into two, if I may. So one is production inspiration. Um, and there's lots of places where I've gotten production know-how. Uh, one big place was like, I, I use Camtasia for my mm -hmm. video production and they have, they actually have a pretty good, like kind of Camtasia school where they tell you like, here's how you script a production. And they're like, don't, don't just record script it out first. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, my first, the first 10 videos I ever did were one take. You know what I mean? And imagine getting to 4.45 4 of a five-minute video and you trip over your words. It's like, oh, that's the way I was. And so so it, I just, it took me a while like looking at the way people actually do it mm. um, to get to a point where it wasn't a, you know what I mean? It, it, it wasn't 10 hours right. for a two-minute <laughs> video. It was like... Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I gradually worked down how, like how fast I could turn videos around by just looking around and seeing how experts did it, asking people questions. Uh, and that was way outside the service now realm in terms of aesthetics. I would say I've always had a strong sense of my own aesthetic, which is kind of a little bit out there. Um, and a little bit loose in the lips, if you will. Um, and and entertaining, like I try to make people laugh. I try and make, I try to do gags sure. and goofy stuff. Um, and but always a careful eye to see again who do really popular people outside the service now space do it. And the best advice I ever got uh, lately was like a thumbnail everything because it doesn't like it doesn't matter what you've done unless somebody clicks it. One hundred percent. And so the click has to happen and. The part of you that clicks something on a feed is not the rational, like, uh, thoughtful kind. No, it's your lizard brain. Yeah, lizard brain, monkey mind, man. Just like, whoa, shiny. Mm -hmm. I've never seen one of those before. Ugh. And uh, and instinctual. And so for that, go to people on YouTube 
who literally pay people to think like that for them. Like what's the exact shade of blue that's in season this year that's making people click. And like people like Mr. Beast um, oh, yeah. literally have people like that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so it's like, don't swim upstream. They're doing all the research for you. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the technology space, we we have, it's almost like somebody is being paid to make the driest, boringest, most uh, corporate flavor burnt toast. You know what I mean? Like just like. <laughs> no, Robert, if, if you, if it's like you are reading my mind at the moment. If I could wave a magic wand, because I have a special YouTube account where I only follow corporate accounts for this purpose to see like, oh, like what are they putting out? Like what are all of our competitors doing, et cetera. And half the time I'm like, man, they're putting out some amazing content. You wouldn't know looking at the darn thumbnails though. You wouldn't know. They just put you to sleep. I'm not clicking that. I'm not clicking it. (laughs) Right past on LinkedIn. If you can even read it. Sometimes it's just text. Gosh, the favorite thing I did, I'm not sure how much it, it, it actually changed the metrics, but CJ and the Duke, uh, for a little kind of uh, CJ the Duke birthday gift we gave to ourselves, we uh, we hired we we bought a track off of uh, some kind of like um, R and B uh, music track website and, or hip hop uh, music website, and then we hired a guy from Fiverr to, to write a rap song about CJ and the Duke and Service Now. And I was like, Corey, how good can it be? You know what I mean? Like, we're paying this guy a hundred bucks to talk about it's actually really good. When we got it back, we're just like. Like that would have been a deal at a thousand dollars, you know, it would have been a deal. And uh, anyways, tangent, keep it in the program if you want or not. But that was that was the favorite thing I've done in the past month or two. Practically speaking, if you take anything out of this episode, take that out of it. Thumbnail everything. Obey the muse, plan it out, do all the hard work. But before you put anything into a channel like like LinkedIn or Twitter, get a thumbnail that you would click on. Yeah. Look at all the popular YouTubers. One of the most popular people on the platform at the moment is a guy that does financial audits, which you would think is the most dry, boring content imaginable. (laughs) But his his thumbnails are crazy. His name's Caleb Hammer. He's like an up and coming David Ramsey. And the reason I saw his content is because his thumbnails are amazing. (laughs) So shout out to Caleb. (laughs) Pivoting away from my favorite YouTubers, let's talk about my favorite LinkedIn types of content stuff that you put out. And so when you've gotten into the habit of posting on LinkedIn, is there specific types of things that seem to work and not work on that platform specifically? Yeah, I think if you, like LinkedIn is where you apply everything that we've talked to up until this point. So rule number one, make sure there's a visual component to anything that you post even if you're just making a comment in the text, like make a thumbnail for it, make a picture because a picture is way, way, way more likely to make somebody stop. So I barely post anything. You know, I'm like, I run this coaching cohort. One of my grads got hired straight out of it. And it's like, you know, I'm, 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 I got uh, gifs of people spiking the football in the end zone. Um, make people stop. And once they stop, then it's a good coin, a better coin toss that they're actually going to read what you wrote. So always, always, always a visual element. And then I would say, go back to the start of the show where we talked about the types of posts. It's the the, type, the types of posts that give somebody something, knowledge, or, mm-hmm. or invokes feeling. 
but feeling in a sense that, that uh, a feeling that benefits them. And so I'd say at the very bottom of the hierarchy, there is posting like your micro certs, right. Or posting that you went to a class it, it, because it's like you get, I call it golf clap energy. It's everybody's kind of like, and then they're, they're, they've already, they've already forgotten once they scroll past, they, they pat you on the back, but they've forgotten straight away. They'll never remember that they pat you on the back yesterday. But if you posted something that invoked their emotions or gave them something that they didn't know before, days later, months later, maybe even years later, they're thinking about that thing. Yeah. What's that phrase? They won't remember what you said, what you did. How you made them feel. It's how you make them, how they made you feel. Yep. So, I mean, your stuff, Chuck, I, I, I don't think a week goes by where I don't drop your playlist link into a chat. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's like one of the best things out there. I mean, it's so, it's so eminently handy. But I remembered when I saw it, when I consumed that content, like, oh my God, this is amazing. And you know what I mean? I got like three or four pieces of content that are like that. So, um, you know, put some mindfulness in terms of if I post this, how can I make somebody feel? Or if I post this, how can I provide insight? And we've said it before. We'll say it again. You don't have to be at the top of the skill stack to post something insightful. Correct. And well, like I'll give you an example. Uh, Kali Alexander, shout out to Kali. Um, you got to get her on the show sometime, by the way. Haven't already. Oh yeah. Um, but w- when she was starting out, she was basically like she learned something, and then she turned around and she'd do like a LinkedIn live where she taught what she just learned. And she was doing like a basic scripting. Like, I just learned how to like push stuff to the info log. Super, super basic. And, you know, I was watching to encourage her, but but then she like, I learned something from it. And I was shocked. I'm like, wow, I can't believe, I think it was just a definition, like a Terminator or something like that. I was like, I never heard it called <laughs> it before, but now I know why people call it that because I didn't know what it was before. Anyways, you never know who you're going to teach. You never know. And for certain, for certain, there are people that know less than you. So at least for them. The other thing I want to throw in here, like um, I heard somewhere, I I wish I could remember where I heard it from, but they said, if you have a highly engaged audience, you can bet that they have only seen 20% of your content, Mm. even for your highly engaged. Yeah. And so it's like, you might think, oh, you know, so-and-so did a video on script includes or whatever. Um, but maybe 80% of their audience could have missed that. Right. Yep. You get to capitalize on that. That's true. And you get your own spin. I mean, nobody's going to produce it the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. You add your own flair, your own commentary, your own insights and experience that's unique to each content producer. Even if it's the same topic, you're going to get a different result every time. And these things are not simple tools, right? Like you can't just do a video on client scripts. Well, like what do you, <laughs> like on loads, on changes? Right. Like <laughs> you want to, you want to zero in on G form dot set display value. You know, what, what is it we're talking about here? Right. You want to like modify the Dom in there too. Like you, <laughs> there's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of content for, for, for client scripts. Right. If you think about yep. it, business rules, forget about it. Flow designer. I mean, I got, I'm like 12 deep on the playlist. I'm not even scratching the surface. What kind of content would you like to do that? You're not doing today. I'd like to do more speaking sessions at bigger audiences. 
I would also love to do a very high production, a Kali Alexander level production of a LinkedIn live. Ah, she makes that look so funny. Oh, easy. I can't be that easy. It's so good. It's so good. Any like, anyways, yes, I'd love to do a Kali, a Kali Alexander level production of a LinkedIn live. But otherwise, I just love to be able to do more of the stuff that I already have done. I guess it goes hand in hand with another answer I gave, which is if I can make this a larger share of my income, uh, I would pay an editor, mm. right? And then I would just worry about generating the raw, telling them yep. the stuff I like, tell them the output I want, and then having the editor do it for me. And then I would be doing Titans of Now like crazy. Then I would be doing, you know, a lot more YouTube stuff. What about the opposite type of question? How do you know when you've reached the natural end of a series or a program or a style of post? Go back to the metaphysics of it. I, I just obey the muse. Like if I felt really strongly one day, like maybe I should build something on interceptors. Like interceptors are still used. You know, someone might find that useful. Um, I have done stuff before that, you know, isn't traditionally... Um, not used often. Like I made a video on how to make M to M tables two different ways, right? The traditional, you know, M to M builder versus just building a table in the middle that has references on either side. Like, I don't think that's a super, you know, in demand thing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure if I have a good answer for that other than the fact that there's such, there's such a glut of topics to talk about that it's kind of like, I've never actually had to think about the end of something because I was always beginning something else. Yeah. Titans have now kind of hit a wall and slowed down just because that is an editing nightmare. <laughs> um, and Kali Alexander is so much better at it. <laughs> hers is a different style though. So it's for sure. But I, I'd, I'd watch, I'd watch any one of hers over mine. I should probably just pass that mantle. <laughs> what was, what did I hear Lauren? The LinkedIn live, you can't play again later. Or, uh, yeah, you can. I don't know about that. Uh, there was something like, okay. You can't download it, I don't think. You can download it and post it to YouTube or anything. And I think you, you can you have, to you, have it separately recorded. You can only do them if you have your profile set to creator mode. That might have been. Right. I think we've talked a lot about the different types of content that you and others like have been creating, what can inspire you to do so. But ultimately, I think one of my final questions I have for you, Robert, is what is the inherent reward to posting content, especially stuff around, you know, something, you know, kind of corporate technical? What's the overall value to the person that's posting it? Yeah. Um, I mean, to put not too blunt a point on it, um, what is it? Not too fine a point on it? To put not too fine a point <laughs> on it, like fame open do- fame opens doors. Mm. Um and so there is, you know, there is definitively for me a warm, fuzzy feeling that people recognize my name, you know, compliment me on my work. Um, but pragmatically speaking, literally can't remember the last time I had a technical interview. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm an independent consultant, so I have a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> um, people want to know, do I know what I'm talking about? And typically, by the time I get to that interview, they're like, oh, we saw your content on this. And then they're asking me questions about my content. And so my technical content has opened more doors than I can count. Um, I, I paid for those doors to be open. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I darn sure paid with my time. 
But, but it did open those doors. I mean, it's essentially like having a career in the arts where you have a portfolio of your work, which is something that's not very common in the technical world. Um, but that's essentially what you have as the result of doing all that pre-work. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's, I will say I didn't know what I was doing when I got in. I had a distinct kind of feeling of build it and they will build it and they will come build it and it will happen. Didn't know who they were. Didn't know what it was. Just started building. And the payoff has come in terms of open doors, a a way, way, way wider network, a brand name in the space. You know what I mean? Not quite a Chuck Tomasi name, but up there. Um, So that's been the reward for me. And now it's spinning off into new opportunities that I never planned on. Right. And so, yeah. Mark is getting kind of crowded. And so it's like, you know, there's a lot of people who can do really high level architecture work really, really well. Um, and so it's like, I could compete for that, or I can start teaching the next generation, monetize that. I could do recruiting now. So I have all these opportunities, like tangential opportunities to just my service now work that have been only been capable of being open because I did the content first. That's kind of how I was too. Like, this sounds fun. Wow, look at all the unexpected value you get from that. You know, the network, the opportunities. I didn't plan on any of that either. Mine's been a very accidental career. So I remember you taught uh, a class on Jelly that I went to uh, back in 2012, I think, or 2013. Oh my, that's that's early stuff. Yeah, Um, but like- Nobody knew who you were, like, really, really. Like, you were just some guy that was teaching Jelly. And a few people knew that, oh, he was the dude that did the laptop request thing. And now, like, my wife thought that you were Fred. (laughs) 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 Because it's your face on everything. Like, you're the face of service now, now. But there's only one way to get that. And that is to make, you know, a lot of content that a lot of people like a lot. Yep, yep. And... Again, don't think that just because somebody else has blazed that trail, you can't go down it and make your own path as well. We'd also be remiss to not include the fact that posting fabulous content gets you points towards becoming a developer MVP. <laughs> so shout out to that program as well. Oh, it's just MVP now, right? Or excuse me. It's yeah, just MVP. Sorry. Sorry. It's just MVP. Still, yeah. still working on the rebrand a little bit in my head. <laughs> and And make no mistake, like I've been in the MVP program since its inception. And that program is better than ever. It is on fire this year. I couldn't believe the benefits I have reaped from that this year. Um, and so, whereas, you know, two, three years ago, MVP program, like, yeah, if you can, you know, it's just another accolade. But now it's just like, like I just really feel like they really sit down and listen to you so very carefully. Access to product management, you know, just... Oh, you feel so appreciated. Big people in big seats at big tables take the time out to listen to you. MVP program is the shit now. Woo. <laughs> Where was this when I was a kid? I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. I just missed the boat. <laughs> so, Rob, what words of advice do you have for anyone considering doing content, community content, to help get them started? Okay, number one, just obey the muse. If you think you want to, try it. Okay. Obey that muse. Uh, and just start with something you already know really well. Okay. And then it doesn't have to be a big, huge, long production, but it does have to be a production. So, so don't think too hard about, Oh, don't optimize. Don't optimize. Just start. But the critical components are 
like do something that provides insight or generates a feeling. Put a visual on it. Okay. Pay attention to the thumbnail aesthetic. Everything else can be optimized later. And thank you for joining us today. Before we leave, can you let the listener, you got a lot of productions here, so I suspect <laughs> there may be a few email addresses. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, I'm Robert Fedoric on uh, LinkedIn. I will probably have the same avatar that will be featured in this podcast episode. Uh, you can also email me at rob at the duke.digital. Hope that's easy enough. Um, there's, I also have a website, the duke.digital. Um, but yeah, I'd say either LinkedIn or that email are probably the best ways to get in touch with Twitter you. handle. I don't really use Twitter all that much anymore, but it's okay. Arfedoric. Thank you. Wonderful listener for joining us today. And don't forget, you'll want to check out the other ServiceNow podcast. You can find them all at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu. And if you subscribe to this podcast, you get it for free, automatically delivered to you whenever it comes out. So you don't have to search and look around and click just drops on your mobile device or wherever you get your podcast breakpoint is brought to you by service now executive producer would be me and lauren video and captions by earl duque and if you want to find out more about the service now developer program you know rob evangelized the uh, mvp part of it pretty darn good head over to developer.servicenow.com and again thank you so much rob for joining us today Guys, the pleasure was mine. I am so humbled that you would invite me for a second time. Thank you for everything you guys do. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. We can tell if the questions or answers have shocked us by our facial expressions. I can't believe I got put in the same sentence as Ted Turner. All I want to be is 1% as successful as he was. I'm not pointing any fingers or naming names at this point. Oh, it's cold. Do, do you have the notes in front of you? Oh, we're, we're, yeah, we're down on like LinkedIn documents as a post type, visual spice, at mentions. I think it's super cool that Lauren's camera follows her. Really odd though. Wow, look at all the... You know, un, un, oh, it's where, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. There's a horrible storm going on and our transformer next door just erupted. Did you see that happen? It scared the shit out of me. I'm so sorry. We'll fix it in post. Bye, Lauren. Have a good one.